All right, welcome to the Joe Danier podcast. Today, I want to talk about zealotry and fanaticism. And we live in a real tribal type of culture. And so that we we get, you know, I've talked before, like we get into this really binary system of either you are a hero or you are a villain. Now, myself, I'm a Cleveland Browns fan. Since the time I was a little kid, I got used to being a fan of a team that didn't always provide a victory at the end of the day. So I had to get familiar with, uh, you know, being there to support my team, but knowing that their blemishes were just as interesting as the things that did right. And there was always like a glimmer of hope and opportunity. There was people that were extremely talented and knew that if given the right set of circumstances, they could pull off a win, they could do something extraordinary. But there was also an element of that crushing defeat like that crushing mistake at the wrong time. And, you know, what, the nice thing about being a Browns fan is even when I went to games, it was pretty much universal that the people on the stands were equally as hard on their team as they were on the other team. And we know, like, if you're a true fanatical zealot, that your team can do, do no wrong, right? You And I use the penalty analogy every once in a while, where every yellow flag when it's against your team is is a create a BS. And when it's against the opposing, I can't believe how egregious the, you know, that the penalty was and we're wired that way. But football fans for, uh, I guess in totality, I, I went to a Youngstown state university's university uh, football game and the same thing there equally as hardcore on their own side. And so when I, when I go on social media, I do this, this every Saturday as I pick a topic, a group that, sort of is, it gets really irritated when you, you know, shine a little shade on their group. And I do it intentionally at most times. I take a group, like, for instance, people who love literature and books, and I'll nudge them and say that the movies are always better than the books. And just that little, you know, that little nudge is enough to send them off the handle, right? And so you have other groups like all of academia. I love challenging academia. They really don't like having opposition, and so they cry a foul when you have someone like me that comes in and maybe uh, presents the fact that academia is a you know corrupt little process that gets uh, a never-ending train of uh, of students and 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 delivered to their front door without trying real hard, and they create these social mind virus people that can't balance a checkbook, and they don't really like those criticisms, and they'll defend against them. You got the environmentalists, still same thing, where you're going to get some pushback if you take a chunk out of them. The people who worship at the altar of government, religion. Religion's a big one. I mean, it's, you know, if, if what you believe in can't accept scrutiny, then it's very delicate. And then you have um, Taylor Swift fans, of course, uh, musicians and uh, whole genres of music. Like all of this stuff, it, you can get some some zealot ang, you know, energy off of those people by just suggesting and criticizing that maybe they're not, uh, you know, all great. Well, the problem with that is you create a bubble of people who only say good things about their deal. So if I said Joe Biden, right, is an idiot, you're gonna have a group of people who think, yeah, and you're going to have people like really not like me that I think Joe Biden's an idiot. But if I'm the same dude who just called Joe Biden an idiot and said, the dude is really connected and he really, uh, you know, we benefit as, you know, citizens because of how 
uh, notorious he really is and how many friends that he has in different positions and we've benefited from that. Now you got the other group, one group saying, you know, that now I'm an idiot. I just called Joe Biden an idiot, but now I'm one because I'm just oscillating between what I find as truthful things. So if my running back is really great and I say that, you're going to have a group of people that like the fact that I've added value back to, you know, my team by saying something complimentary. But if I'm like my quarterback, he freaking sucks. That's those same people are going to be like, wait a minute. You're not supportive of your team. And that's we, we, we come in the, the way that you break this tribalism up is that you really start conditioning people to hear things they don't like and give it, those things a chance to process through. So maybe there's some wisdom in the criticism. And there's some mindless stuff out there that adds no real value to the conversation. Uh, you know, it, when I, for instance, when I bring a politician on, on one of my radio shows, and before I go on air, this is what I tell them. I tell every one of them, I'm not interested in a stump speech, right? So all the things you say on the road and on stage, I'm here to have a conversation with you. So if I see that you're going down Stump Beach, Stump Speech Boulevard, my listeners and myself are going to get nothing out of it. I'm going to pull you back and have a conversation with you as a human being and me as a human being. And I'm going to say things that, you know, I'm, I'm not a gotcha person. I'm going to say things that are complimentary or something I like about you. And I'm also going to ask you questions about things that I don't like about you. you got to be able to handle that these are just truths that I'm digging for. I don't have a motive. Like, I'm not trying to get you elected, and I'm not trying to make you fail. What I'm trying to do is find interesting topics that allow you to talk about and connect with people so they have a better understanding of who the individual is. Whether or not they vote for you, that is not my job, right? That's your job. But if we're going to have a conversation, I don't want it to have gone through 16 focus groups and been, you know, uh, an advisory committee gave the green light on it. It's just not going to be interesting. Nobody's be made better off because of it. So, you know, hearing things that you don't like to hear, being asked things that you don't like, aren't great to be asked and know that there's a lot of sort of like objective people that just are digging for some truth. And if that truth is not complimentary, it's still truth. And if that that truth is complimentary, it's just truth. And if I'm on that pursuit and I can keep myself pure with then not on my end of being, you know, have some kind of gain in the deal. And what I mean by that is, you know, I have to take my motivations and make sure that they're pure by testing them and making sure that I would do it, right? And the questions, my curiosities and where I want to go aren't because I want some kind of end. And I think, you know, Dave Ramsey, the uh, financial guru, uh, said, you know, he, he was, he, he never, um, I think it was Dave Ramsey, he never wanted to make, he never wanted his charitable givings to ever thought that there was some kind of end. So if he did a charitable giving to some group and then the group felt appreciative and did that in return, you can kind of get addicted to that sometimes. And he wanted to make sure that those motives weren't, he wasn't doing the charitable gift to get those uh, favors from the people he was giving to. So his motivation was, well, how do I take me out of the equation? What would I be equally as willing to give the gift if I did it anonymously and that would break the whole, no one would know you did it anyway. So there would be no chance for them to come back and give you some kind of favor. If you have the same kind of verve to give the donation and anonymously, you know, you've kept yourself in check. And so the same thing goes, we're bringing your biases to the table of truth and information. If you don't like hearing something, is it because something that you believe in has a less likelihood that it's going to be effective? Well, take that out of the equation. Would you be some, would you be for something that, not only didn't benefit you, 
but was on the other side of the equation. And it not it took a chunk out of you personally. So you know my my sales strategy with my companies um, is I want to make sure that I do do right by the people who entrusted me. That's that's my mission statement. And so if somebody says, Joe, should I buy this product from you? Right, a salesperson is going to be like, absolutely. I'm going to think of 900 different ways to force you buying from me is exactly what you should do. But I'm then, you know, my my uh, my brain is then given the the objective to see if I was taken out of the equation, would I maybe my biggest critic look at this situation and say, yeah, you know what, I don't like Joe much and I don't like his products much. But after you said that, his product definitely lies, and I have to be that character in myself so that I know when I'm making decisions, they're pure enough right? So that I can live with myself on the other side. And we don't live in a society. We live in a zealot society. We live in a fan society. We live in that binary deal where where we're joining our tribe and anything the other tribes do is is a, a reason, you know, to go and contest and war with those other tribes. But I'm trying to change culture on the other side, where even if things are, you know, uncomfortable and awkward that I think that we are better off when those things are contested in sort of like an academic sphere. Let's talk about environmentalism, right? And environmentalism, I, I, I'm, I drive an electric vehicle and I don't believe I'm doing it for the case of environmentalism. Somebody wants to put me in that camp. That's fine. But I like electric cars. And if you, if you have something as passionate as the religion of fill in the blank, you know, you, the religion of government, the religion of environmentalism, the religion of, uh, you know, traditional uh, religions, then you want your thing to have merit and you want people to believe in you. They want people to follow you. You want people, uh, you know, to put their energy into things that you care about and whatever. So I'm not going home and burning a tire, right? And I'm not going home and cutting down trees. I, I'm not doing any of the things that say that I'm a you know, really a big opponent of environmentalism. I'm an outdoorsman. I like got walking in the woods and not seeing trash. I like seeing, uh, you know, the the wildlife. I like seeing, be able to grow. If I walked into a field that was, you know, stripped because of something, I would say that's a bloody shame that we couldn't figure out a way to preserve something that was beautiful and enjoyed by people that were, that enjoy the outdoors. And I'm also a, a hunter. And so, you know, I haven't hunted in a number of years, maybe even a decade, but I love being in the woods and seeing the animals. I'm a big animal lover. So how can you be both an animal lover and someone who uh, who hunts? Well, an animal lover would see that if 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 there's a natural relationship between uh, how many of something and an, an environment can hold, and we the animals in that area are too great because we've removed predation or whatever, uh, then something has to be done or else, you know, you're either going to have animals that are alive that are suffering versus animals that are dead and in somebody's refrigerator. And those aren't really in conflict. There's some areas and some animals that we really shouldn't hunt because there's no threat of their populations. You know, they don't need predators to keep them in check. They need help being able to stay in the environments because we enjoy them. Uh, at the same time, where mathematically there's sometimes where we have to eliminate them. Those can both live in my real world. And I can be objective about it. If somebody made the appeal to me, whether or not that we needed to do something I didn't really like, but I knew it's mathematically made sense, 
I'd be willing to absolutely listen. I think a lot of you aren't able to listen. You know, I think a lot of you are, uh, you know, proponents of something to the bitter end, even if a reasonable person would make an argument that says, eh, let's even think about it. just process it. Anyway, so that's my thing. Um, I want culture to be able to be prepared and practice for hearing things that they don't want to hear, make some considerations, and maybe, uh, you know, th- th- we don't live in a binary world. So everything from religion to environmentalism to government worship, all of those have good parts and they have bad parts. And if we can recognize the bad parts, then maybe you make them a little less bad. And if we, we don't, trust me, we have no trouble recognizing the good parts. But set two people down on opposing forces. Set that Christian down with an atheist. Set someone down who drives a ICE vehicle and loves it and drives a EV and, and loves it. Set somebody down who is a capitalist and a, and a socialist. And those, those are the real fireworks because if we just want those people to fight and want somebody to win rather than two people sit down that had opposing views and are able to get down through it and maybe each of them decide that they want to be a little bit different and, and adopt something from the other person, now we have a culture that starts to, instead of get even more tribal, maybe a little less tribal. All right, until the next time on the Joe Danier Podcast.